Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Ken Peters and Pastor Michael Cox teach on Live Truth. Thank you so much, Pastor. Give your pastors, your pastor, a big hand. He was talking about, you know, impressed that I shifted in the moment, but he's way more impressive than me having a pastor come in that he doesn't hardly know. But you know, sometimes you know things by the Spirit. You know, how many of you know many times you can do all the research, get all your ducks in a row, check everything out, and it'd still be a disaster. But then at other times, the Lord can just say, boom, right there, or boom, right there. God can do more in a second than sometimes we can do in 20 years. Amen? Amen. Amen. We don't want to miss those moments. We don't want to miss those moments. I love your mission statement. I'm down there, I'm looking at your mission statement. So your vision statement, mission statement, love God, love people, live truth. You know, a lot of churches have love God, love people, but they don't put the live truth on the end. That, but, but did you know that the world has the wrong idea of what love is? And so even the world can take love God, love people, and, and pervert it. But when you tag on live truth, boom, the devil can't sneak in and do anything with that. Jesus said, if you love me, you live truth. You keep my commands. So I don't know who thought of that. Would the Lord give that to you or this is brilliant? I might steal it, but <laughs> seriously, it's just, I just love your, I love your pastor. I love, I love your church and it's an honor to be here. I literally have no idea how I got here this morning. I have zero idea. Like you said, random, not random, providential, random to us, providential to God, right? Uh, dinner last night, and I didn't even know the guy that invited me. I thought he could be like from the mafia or something. I had no, I had no clue what I was getting into. It could have been a total uh, a lie. I didn't know this guy from Facebook. He he, he had seen our, our our ministry, and just felt like the Lord wanted him to do something. He gave me a T-shirt I'm wearing this morning. Two two two. This is not twenty two twenty two, like. President Trump or anything like that. It's not like that. It means it's a scripture where the key of David has been given, where God will open a door that that no man can shut, and that's what God did in the in the days of Acts, where where uh, he said to to his apostles, uh, and even in the book of Revelation, he said to this church in Revelation, he said, "I'm going to open a door for you." of evangelism and missions and and great things that no man can shut. And I want to speak that over this church right here, that God's going to open doors for this church. If he can do it for a church in Revelation, right, he can do it for a church today. Open doors for this church that no one can shut, no man can shut. It's a promise of God. So We sang, the first song we sang today was just so powerful. It talked about how worship is our warfare. I think like the first couple lines of it, the worship leaders, you, you know what I'm talking about, where, where worship is the warfare. I, 
I think that's how the words went some, along those lines. And I, I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up in a Pentecostal uh, uh, church. I'm a pastor's kid, kind of like your, your, your pastor did, kind of old-time Pentecostal. And I heard all my life growing up, worship is warfare. Do you believe that? Yes. And I love your worship team. Your worship team is like, like warrior-like. Like if I was a demon hanging around here and once the worship started, I'm gone. Like, because you know you're going to get slayed. If not by the worship team, by the country, everybody, it's just, it's incredible. And so I grew up hearing worship is warfare. Isn't that true? When, when Satan's attacking your home, just worship. Man, if you're having trouble in your home and you're with your kids, you're, just gather them into the living room and just start worshiping and everything gets right. And then see what God does in that anointing and give you words, revelation, wisdom, knowledge that you need to get through to, to take you to that place that you need to go to. Worship is absolute warfare. It's in the scripture when, they, when the walls of Jericho came down, they, they came down. Why did God pick shouting, right? He picked shouting and trumpets and horns and praise to tear down walls. And then in, in, in Jehoshaphat, uh, Jehoshaphat was a king in, in Israel. And when he was going out against the enemy, God told him, uh, send the, the singers first. Send Judah first. Our, our son's name is Judah. And, and that's prophetic for our family. Send Judah first. And he sent the singers out in the battle, battlefield. And here's what you do. When you send the singers and, the, and worship, war with worship, the enemy kills himself. The enemy gets confused and kills himself. Demons start killing demons, all right? Or at least causing trouble. Demons fight with each other, right? Uh, uh, they, 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 they attack one another, and that's, that's, what, that's what worship does. And so I grew up hearing how worship is, is warfare. And then we had a speaker come into our church uh, that, just like I'm here today, it was like all providential, and, and the speaker came in and and I didn't know this speaker, but I just feel like the Lord wanted me to have him. He come, I never met him before he comes up. And he starts talking about what's going on in our nation, on in our nation that we, we don't like to talk about because we hate it so much. But we don't know how to stop it. And that is, is that they are literally killing human life for money. Did you know that? They make money, this certain industry. It's an industry. Just kind of like the old slavery industry was where they, they enslaved people for money. They make money per death. You understand that? They, they make money per death. Every human life that is murdered, they make money. And the older that baby is, the more money they make. See, we literally have an industry going on in our city, in our country, where they make money per human death. We as believers that believe the Bible, we know that the baby inside the womb is a human and it's alive, right? We know that. Remember the story when Jesus comes in the room in the womb of Mary? Remember that story? He comes in the, in the room in the womb and then Elizabeth is over here. She's got John the Baptist. That's a couple of cool boys in the, room, in the womb, right? It doesn't get much better than Jesus and John the Baptist, right? Jesus comes in the room in the womb. Then you have John the Baptist in the womb of Elizabeth. And when John the Baptist, the Bible says this, when John the Baptist sensed Christ come into the room, in the womb, the Bible says John the Baptist leapt for joy, like got, like they were having a charismatic worship service right there in the wombs of their moms, having church together. 
That, that, I'm not kidding. That's what the Bible says. How many of you know Jesus was Jesus in the womb, right? John the Baptist was John the Baptist in the womb. The Bible even says it calls it John and Jesus. And when Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit, it was Jesus. And if Jesus would have been aborted in the womb, it would have been Jesus that was aborted, not a clump of cells. That was Jesus from the moment of conception, amen, conceived of the Holy Spirit. And so this preacher began to say, they're making money per life killed. And, and it hit me. And then I thought about Jehoshaphat. I talked about Jehoshaphat earlier. You know what the Bible says about Jehoshaphat in 1 Kings 22? It says this about Jehoshaphat. It says, and he, he walked in all the ways of Asa, his father. He, he was a good king. And he turned not aside from it, from righteousness, doing that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. Now watch this word, nevertheless. This is kind of like a, but. So Jehoshaphat was a great king, just like his dad, Asa. Great kings. But they put one thing in here, and, and, and it was nevertheless, now watch this, the high places were not taken away. For the people offered and burnt incense, yet in the high places, and then it, then it goes on. So it's like they put, God put one thing in the scripture, said Jehoshaphat was an amazing king, just like his dad was. He, he walked in righteousness, but, but one thing he didn't stop was the high places. I've been to Israel a couple of times, and, and they've described the high places. We've seen the high places, and they, 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 the, they have, they've found uh, archaeological findings up on these high hills where they found pagan altars where, where the pagans would find the highest place because they felt that brought them closer to the gods. Now, we know, we know God has come to us, Emmanuel. We don't have to get up on a high mountain to get closer to God, right? But when, when you're a pagan, you don't understand that. And so they would find the highest place on the hill, and then they would, they would sacrifice children. And the Lord spoke to me. He says, you know, that there's many churches in the United States that are doing, like, that, are, that are great, and we're, you're, you're preaching righteousness, and you're doing the thing, but let's not have a nevertheless attached to, to the church of Jesus Christ in America, right? We need to confront the high places, and they are sacrificing children in our nation on the high places, and we cannot ignore the high places. I don't want to nevertheless, amen? We cannot ignore that, but we, but we, we don't want to face it oftentimes because it's such a bad Subject, it's, it's we don't like it. It's horrible. We we don't know how to stop it. I mean, back when it first started, I don't know if you remember. You're a preacher's kid. Uh, uh, they they would block clinics, Operation Rescue. Remember anybody remember those days, right? I yeah, and people would go to jail, blocking clinics because they really believed that these were actually human beings, and and like we do, and they acted like it, right? And what would we be doing if they were murdering five-year-olds at Planned Parenthood? What would we be doing as a church, right? And that's how they, that's how they saw it. But an unborn child is the same as a five-year-old, right? So, but they put everybody in jail and the lawsuits came. And so we felt defeated. Like, what do we do? So you kind of feel discouraged and you feel defeated, like there's nothing we can do about it. So then you, what do we do? We vote Republican for 60 years, 50 years, which like they're pro-life, right? It's not about Republican or Democrat, but one's platform is this way, the other one's is this way. So we vote for this platform, right, to stop it. But how many of you know it's still going on? We can't put our faith in Republicans. 
we do the right thing. We, it's a good first step, amen? But we can't put our faith in man. So it's going on and on. So the high places are still running in our town. And I visited the one in Knoxville. I'm brand new here. I've only been here for three weeks, right? And I visited the one in Knoxville. Did you know they, they put it right in a really poor African-American neighborhood? Talk about white people trying to kill black people. You can find them right there at Planned Parenthood. Talk about systematic oppression right there at Planned Parenthood. They are, they are destroying a race of people. There's no reason a billion-dollar industry should put its building in the poorest area of town. It's a, it's an, it's, hey, man, expose it. That's what I'm doing. I'm exposing it. Just like slavery needed to be exposed, this is an industry. It's a filthy industry that we just kind of want to ignore, right? It's uncomfortable. We don't want to talk about it, but, but we need to understand what is going on in our city and in, in our nation and this is stopping the blessing of God on our country. God exalts a nation that's righteous. We, we must live truth, love God, love people, and live truth. And so I remember as a Pentecostal preacher's kid, I remember worship as warfare. And so this preacher's up here preaching, saying, man, we, the church has got to get down to Planned Parenthood. And he was saying, like, if you're a worship leader, get down there and just take your guitar down there and just start worshiping God. Let the presence come in around that place. And if you're a prayer warrior, if you're an intercessor, do we have any intercessors here? Uh, if you're an intercessor, get, get down to Planned Parenthood and just intercede. And if you're a preacher, if you're a young budding preacher and the, pre the pastor won't let you preach because you're not good enough yet, you're just, you're a rookie and you're going to say a lot of stupid things. And so the preacher doesn't want you to shrink his church in like one Sunday. Get out there to Planned Parenthood. You can't mess up. Just preach at the wall. He started saying that. And I thought to myself, that sounds like church. And I planted a couple of churches in, in the Washington area. And the Lord gave me a warning because I was about to plant another church up north. The Lord gave me a warning. He said, don't you dare plant that church up north until you plant a church at Planned Parenthood. An outdoor church. And then that verse that the preacher was preaching on came alive. It says, Jesus said, I will build my church. And the story is that, that Jesus was right at a place with the, the, where they called, they called it Gehenna. They called it like the gates of hell. It was like this big hole, and they called it the gates of hell. And Jesus was right there preaching at what they called the gates of hell. And Jesus declared to the gates of hell, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. But how do you know that evil, if it's not confronted, has its way, right? Mice don't go away without cats. You ever had a mice problem in your house? You got to either kill them with peanut butter and a trap, right? And attack that way or you, or you buy a cat and you feed the cat, right? And the cat takes care of it. But, but the, if you don't confront the mice, they just go on. So, so hell will not defeat the church but if the church backs off of hell and just lets hell do whatever it wants, then hell has free reign, right? But if the church will confront the gates of hell, Jesus' promise is that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. And so I thought, I thought to myself, let's take church to the gates of hell in America because there's nothing like, a gates of, like the gates of hell it, it, at an industry where they're killing babies. They're, the, the babies are the most innocent of all humans. By the time you're 48 like me, you've sinned a million times. These babies haven't even gotten out of the womb to sin. They're, they're innocent. And, and they're, they're murdering these, these little babies for money, for money. 
fact, if you take the money away, I bet you the industry goes away. It's power. The love of money is the root of all evil. You take money out of Planned Parenthood, they shut down. They're not there to help women. They're here. They're there to kill kids for money. You take the money away, it goes away. Jesus said the love of money is root of all evil. So you, so you, so you have you have to confront it. So I thought let's take let's take church right there to the gates of hell. Now, when we did that, I, I, at the end of that preacher's sermon, I got up. And you know, when you're in, under the anointing, you do some stupid stuff. <laughs> Have you ever over-prophesied under the anointing, you know what I'm saying? Or done something stupid, and, you know, and you went home like, why, why did I do that? That's so embarrassing. But the anointing was so strong. I got up. I was the pastor. The visit, he turned the service over to me like I'm about to do to your pastor. And I, and, I, and, I, and I walked up and I announced to everybody without talking to my wife. <laughs> but to my credit, I didn't have time. We were on the front row. It was the middle of the sermon. I had no time to talk to her. So I come up and, and, and I just announced to everybody, our next church plan. Drum roll, please. It's going to be the church at Planned Parenthood. <laughs> and everybody just stared at me. The, the speaker's jaw went down to the ground. My wife's eyes got as big as saucers. I could see her praying, Lord, I knew he was a little crazy, but not this crazy. I announced it to everybody. So, you know, once you announce something, you have to do it. Have you? Or you're a chicken, and I ain't going to be a chicken. Call me anything but a coward. So, so I announced it. It took me like two or three months to do it, to get up enough nerve. So the first service, I'm scared to death. Nobody's going to show up. The Christians hate going around there. We hate the thought. We just hate it, right? Nobody's going to show up. I knew my wife would show up because she loves me no matter what. And I knew a couple elders and obligated deacons would probably show up. So I get there. I'm scared to death. And, and ladies and gentlemen, you would not believe it. People kept coming. And coming and coming and coming. Our first ever service, we had 175 Christians come to the first service. It was incredible. I'd never seen more than 10 Christians ever. I, it was just unbelievable. <laughs> Serious. Now, the church should be there. Should be there. So, we did one the next month. It's a once a month deal. Did it the next month. Did it. And it kept growing and growing and growing till like six months later, we had 650 people squeezed into this city property right by Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood is right beside us. And we had 650 people gathered in this small area, hands raised, worshiping God, praying for it to, to, to come down. Because listen, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We don't riot. We don't throw rocks. We don't do things like that. But the weapons of our warfare are mighty to pulling down strongholds and tearing high places down. And so we've been, we, we've been there and we've been praying and we've been worshiping and it's amazing. And, and we do this after hours. They're not even doing business and they hate it. Planned Parenthood hates me. They do. In fact, I'm being sued by Planned Parenthood right now. Being sued for way more money than I have. For praying for worshiping. We're not blocking anything. 
We're not harassing anybody. We would never do that. We do this in love. We do this in love. And all we're doing is singing. Now, I know some people in our group, they don't sing very good. But I don't think it's worth a lawsuit, right? As bad as they sing. I, I, but Planned Parenthood, they hate us. So at first they lined up, they lined up, uh, you know, 50 to 100 protesters on the other side of the street and they were playing cowbells. Remember that old, more cowbell? They're cranking cow, I'm serious, they're cranking cowbells and kazoos and screaming and yelling. They got signs up about me and about us and, and, and everything. And it was just like this huge, like this huge battle, like, like Lord of the Rings. And it was just crazy. And then that what we did is we kept singing. We just kept worship. We just ignore the hate. People are driving by. We're by a busy street. They're, they're telling us we're number one. I can't show you what, it, what that looks like. But they're, they're, they're literally rolling down their window and yelling the most horrible curse words you could ever imagine. And we're just worshiping in the fray. It was amazing. So Planned Parenthood found out, they, they, Planned Parenthood even brought out these speakers and they started playing their really horrible sexual music, horrible stuff. The worst music you could ever play with all, and we have little kids there. They don't care about kids. And bring out, play the worst, most awful music and trying to blast us out. And so we put up kind of these, these sound barrier things and keep, we just keep on singing. Well, Planned Parenthood got tired of trying to drown us out. So you know what they did? City council, they stocked city council. They funded the campaigns. It's documented. They funded the campaign of campaigns of all these city council members and put the most godless city council in place because sometimes the church is asleep, right? Planned Parenthood isn't. They put city council members in and they passed a, a, just a horrible sound ordinance to where we have to worship so quiet now. Put a horrible, even though we're there after hours, they put in a sound ordinance. It's horrible. It opened us up to lawsuits. So what did we do? We sang quieter, but we kept singing. People keep showing up. We have hundreds of people every single time. We just have on this last, last Tuesday, hundreds, even after the corona hit, it's, it's just rebounded and hundreds and hundreds of Christians are coming out. So they announced to the, I found out I was getting sued on the news. I was watching the news. I had no idea I was getting sued. And this news reporter, yeah, Planned Parenthood is suing. Pastor Ken Peters and, and some of his assistant pastors. They're suing five pastors, five pastors, this billion-dollar industry. And they announced on the news that this was their last resort. Their last resort, the only way they can get rid of us is with the lawsuit. But guess what? We just keep on singing. We just keep on singing. And then the nation found out about us. We've been on Glenn Beck. We've been on Matt Walsh. Two weeks ago, I got a phone call from Fox News. They did a big article about us. We've, I've, been, I've been on the radio constantly. It's just been amazing. And I'm just a little nobody from Spokane, Washington with a little mid-sized church who heard the voice of God, obeyed. Like you said, I couldn't believe he just called this church and, you know, and took that moment. But I've learned it's, it's, it's obeying God in the moment that brings forth years of victory. You can't miss those moments when God speaks to you in the moment. I've learned you respond to those moments because that's, that's where the victory comes from. Those moments, there are moments where God says, hit the ground. Don't hit it three times, hit it seven times. 
The guy hit, the, remember the, the king hit it three times and the prophet says you'll get partial victory. Come on, when God tells you to do something, don't, don't halfway obey. Don't kind of obey. Don't put one foot in, both feet in. Uh, even if it takes you a year, like, like my good brother over here, even if it takes you a year, get all the way in. Hit the ground seven times and do it with all your heart. Obey God fully and completely and watch God win the victory in your life and in your family and in your church. Let's go, let's go all the way, amen. Let's live the truth all the way. So I just wanna I just wanna say thank you so much for, for who you are. Pastor, we're gonna be really good friends. I'm way down south. You're way up north. It took me like an hour to get here. But it was it's worth it's worth it. I'm not complaining. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful, but I'll take the south, you get the north, and we got other great preachers, I'm sure, in this land. But how about how about let's how about let's love God, love people. Amen. And how about let's live the truth. Amen. Thank you so much for letting me be here. Awesome. Uh, Are you ready to run with me now? Through the gates of hell with the water pistol. <laughs> um, Ken's already been to Planned Parenthood in Knoxville. Just um, the conviction I sensed last night when I had to ask Ken where that is. I don't even know in my city where they're killing babies for money. But we're having church. And so he showed me and uh, we, had, we looked it up on Google Earth. And I think it's so significant. You talk about the high places, you know, tearing down the high places. And I think it's absolutely God has given you the high places. There's a hill right next to Planned Parenthood in Knoxville. It's on a church's property there. Ken's going to be pursuing that church to get permission to have his church at Planned Parenthood on the grounds there on that hill. And I just, when you were just speaking today, I just saw those high places being torn down and uh, the church at Planned Parenthood being resurrected there. So I don't know what, I'm going to just get up here in the anointing and make some crazy claim. I don't know what. Um, I don't know what our connection looks like in all this. I just know we're going to be a part of uh, the church at Planned Parenthood. We're gonna we're gonna be a part of the church at Planned Parenthood, and uh, I'm so honored that God would just uh, open our eyes to that and allow us to just connect to uh, this man of God and his family and and these wonderful people. I mean, so many people came all the way from Spokane, Washington with him to carry out this vision. That's crazy. That's a long way. So you've got people with you as crazy as you are. That's always important, you know. You don't want to be the only crazy one in the group. (laughs) So, uh, so powerful, so powerful. There's so many uh, exciting things. I'm just in, so inspired 
um, by what Ken's doing in the nation and and just uh, they're they're starting. You started. Where's the other one? You just were starting or you getting ready? Salem, Oregon, and uh, then their vision is to be just all over the South and Southeast, and uh, just these churches in every city, you know, just, uh, it's just going to be amazing, it's going to be amazing, and and I, I love, he, he didn't mention, but this is how, what, what's the thing, this is how we fight our battle, this is how we fight our battle, and it's just worship, they just go there and worship. They don't have to hate anybody. They don't have to uh, condemn anybody. They just go there and worship and uh, let let the angels do all that murdering. The angels are, 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 I mean, I know it sounds terrible, but angels are just destroying principalities and powers when we worship. I mean, it's, 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 it's power. I mean, it's, it's happening. It's going down. We can love people and worship. Because remember, it's not them, it's not the people, it's not the people. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, principalities and powers, wickedness in high places, but we wrestle not against people. People are not the spirit that they're tormented by. They are the apple of his eye, caught up in deception. So it's a win-win. We love them while we worship. And then we see the demons that are tormenting them be slayed right in front of them. And people are set free and delivered while we accomplish our task and our mandate. That's what the kingdom of God is supposed to be doing and advancing. Wow. So, how do we get you to sign up for FIT now? Like, just to hold a sign in the parking lot. I mean, nobody wants to do that now. Everybody wants to save the world and save the babies, right? So I think, you know, um, but serving unlocks so much in your life. Just wanted, I was planning to give you just a few encouragements about serving, but they're so pointless at this point. Serving is powerful. It's not, it's just partnering with God to accomplish his will, period. Partnering with God. To accomplish his will. Because you were created for purpose. You were created with assignment. You were created. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. And you have all of this stuff inside of you. And so you can't live in fulfillment unless you're tapped into the purposes of God for your life. And it looks like serving. Because the one who created us in his image came to be a servant of all. And so when we tap into what we're created to be, we'll look like we're serving. If you're not serving, you're living a life that's not tapped into its purpose. And so it's so important to be obedient to the call. And so there's so many things today that are out here, uh, places in this body that you can tap into and serve. I don't think I have a list of all of them today, but there's so many different areas. Our children... Our children, I was just thinking while he was speaking, and we saw the video from Chady earlier about our children's ministry. You know, it's uh, some people are the reverse. They All they talk about is abortion, and they don't talk about life and children. You know, they fight against that, but they don't care to to help life, support life. And so we 
we need to support the lives of our children, pour into our children. And so we have children in our body. They say pastors are going, the, peop, the majority of the people that come to your church are going to be within 10 years age of your pastor and, and life status. If that's the case, we're going to have a lot of kids here. So we have to be prepared for children. If there's any area of ministry in the entire church, I believe that should never be deficient, that should never be lacking, it would be children. And historically, I've been a pastor or staff pastor in some capacity now for 20 plus years, 20, 22, 23 years. I've never been at a church anywhere that one of the most deficient ministries in the entire church is the children. Always. It, it, it's something backwards about that. You, you know, it's something backwards. And I never beat y'all up or say to serve, but I just feel like there should be such passion for children. Such passion for children. We need to fight for them to be born. We need to fight for them to live. We need to fight for them to walk in purpose and truth. And so our children's ministry should be the most thriving, uh, populated, uh, the most passionate ministry in our entire body. And sometimes we're just like, ah, it's children. Ah, oh, that's babysitting. Ah, oh, that's whatever. Logan won't mind me saying this. Don't sign up to go into Market Square and give a prophetic word to a stranger because that'll be really exciting if you can't give a prophetic word to a three-year-old. So they need to know who they are. Maybe they won't end up being the person in Market Square that's 60 years old and doesn't know who they are if we catch them before and we'll speak into their life here and now. So I challenge you. I honestly, I believe this. I believe if you regularly attend this church, I don't care what else you do, you should serve the children. I don't care what else you do. You can plug into other ministries. You can do other stuff. But I just... I think we're out of alignment in vision and mission with, with your pastor's heart who has eight children if you see no passion to serve children. And I challenge you, um, and I don't, I don't like to be out of service. Well, if you don't want to be out of service, I'll be out of service. Somebody's going to be out of service. <laughs> this is not the service in here. This is not what this is about in here. It's not about the atmosphere and getting in here and all getting into worship together. Uh, I, I'll just tell you a uh, random story, but I went to, um, I went to Bethel uh, a few years ago, and I, uh, I love Bethel. I love the church. I love what they carry. And um, I got up. One thing, it's three hours behind uh, time difference, and I got up at about, Five or six, I mean, we, we couldn't hardly sleep because it was, number one, the time was off. Number two, we were so excited. We were going to get up and go to church that morning at Bethel Church, and we were excited to go. 
And so we were up. We didn't hardly sleep all night. And I'm up so early, and I'm getting a shower, and I'm, like, ready four hours before church, you know. And I'm like, let's go. And they had told us, I mean, that's not real early because you need to be there three hours before church to get in line. And so we got to church at about 7 and got in line, sat on the ground along the wall so we could save our space. And uh, I just had so much anticipation, and the Lord spoke to me. And he said, if you're more excited about being here today in church at Bethel than you are about being where I've planted you, that's illegal. I was like, well, God, I mean, this is, you know, this is, you know. And he said, everything you're excited about, everything you're anticipating, the reason you're excited and anticipating is because you have a desire for it. So I took somebody that has a desire for something that is being housed here, and I planted them at a place in Powell, Tennessee, because I need somebody that has a passion and a desire for an atmosphere like this in Powell, Tennessee. So instead of uh, falling in love with an atmosphere somewhere else, the very reason that you desire that is because I've put it in you to want that, to foster that, and to create that. And so go home and make your church the place you want to be. And it doesn't cost as much to fly to church. You know? <laughs> I tell that story because, like, everything we want and you're, you're thinking you're missing in here or in the perfect setting or what you think you need from God that day that you need to get from in here, you need to plant yourself in there and let God pour it into you while you pour out and serve other people. And he will meet every need that you have. He will meet you in that place and he will fill your cup. And so I challenge you today. As we leave, we go into the fellowship hall. All the serve teams, all the ministries are out. There's sign-up sheets for that. We have something cool that we would like for you to do today, if you don't mind. We have a signing table, like an athletic signing table, you know, when you've been recruited and they reach over and they pick up the hat for the school they're going to go to. We have a hat for every serve team on a signing table in front of our logo backdrop, all right? And so you're going to go sit at that table. You're going to pick your hat, and we're going to celebrate you picking a serve team. Some of you are going to put four hats on. That's okay. It's awesome. Seriously, our goal for children's ministry is to serve one Sunday a month. One Sunday a month. Sign up. I believe every single person. They should. I should never, ever ever get notified from our children's pastor that we can't fill classrooms. Today we have a fourth Sunday of the month. I never do this, never do this. This probably shouldn't do this, but today's the fourth Sunday, so we don't have life kids. Fourth Sunday of the month, we have family Sunday. So we don't have our big kids' classes. That's fifth grade and, I mean, five years old up through fifth grade. So we don't have that class. And so all we need is nursery and two, the two and three and, or whatever, two more classes. They broke up the littles, two and three, four and five. Three classrooms, need two people per classroom. 
And so I got notified last night that the two and up will be in here because we literally were able to get two people. Two, look around. Two. Two people to serve in children's ministry today. Two. Guys, we might as well go home. Seriously, we might as well go home. If we can't impact the children, we're not going to change the city. If we can't facilitate ministry and encounter for our children, I'm not motivated to entertain the adults. I want some partners. I want people to partner with us. We want to minister to a family, to their children, to their homes, to their marriages, to everything. And so sign up for the children. Again, never, ever, ever. I do not ever want you to feel manipulated or coerced, but I feel like enough's enough on the kids. When a man tells us that they've planted a church at Planned Parenthood, and that's so incredible, and that's so amazing. You know, I feel like the entry level to obedience like that, if we can't even say, well, we have at least 10 people that minister to those children that you saved here on Wednesdays, on Sundays, you know. Come on. We've got to be here. We've got to be ready. If we save them, we've got to raise them. If we save them, we've got to pour into them. We've got to be prepared. Come on, let's believe. Let's believe that we're going to shut down Planned Parenthood and there's going to be an influx of babies. Now, what are we going to do with them? Two people are going to raise up Knoxville's babies? No way. Come on. Let's get on board. Let's get this done. You're here to be a part of the team. Plug in, sign in, put your hat on, and let's go. Roll your sleeves up. Years ago, Jahan had a vision. I know we got to go. And we were at this Coliseum-type atmosphere, and it was our church, and it was dusty. There was dust everywhere in there, and everybody had on overalls and work boots, and everybody was working, and there was just Hundreds of people, I don't know, maybe thousands of people, I don't remember. But it was like a cot, but we all had on overalls. That's what we need to be. Let's be a body of Christ that does work. Let's put legs on our faith and let's live truth. Let's don't just believe truth, let's live truth. Let's demonstrate truth. Let's put our money where our mouth is. Let's put our time where our mouth is. And let's get things done. Let's move forward. Let's accomplish great exploits and let's go after the gates of hell and push them back and bust them open. Let's use that key and open doors that no man can close. Amen? Lord, we love you today. We thank you for an opportunity to come together, to worship together. Thank you for Ken Peters and his family and his team. Thank you for what they're doing in the earth. Thank you for the passion and the vision that you've given him. We just bless what they're doing. We bless what they're doing. We bless what they're doing. We just come into agreement with heaven right now. We come into agreement with all that they're doing. We come into agreement that Planned Parenthood in Knoxville 
is going to be shut down, is going to be defunded, disbarred, and closed up. We just come against every principality and power and wickedness in high places. We just say that provision will be made. They'll be able to have their team on that hill and they will be exalted above the high places and they'll be sending up worship over the former high places. We just say that everything will be brought low. Everything will be brought low. Everything contrary to the knowledge of Christ will be brought low in Jesus' name. It will bow to the authority and the power of Christ as we lift him up and we exalt him in this city. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for the gift of Ken Peters and his family and their ministry. We thank you. Thank you for his obedience in his heart. Lord, I thank you for the people at Redemption Life Church. I've been a little hard on them today, Lord. So rub where I spanked, Lord. Make them feel good. Because you love them more than I love them, but you spank me sometimes too. And so, God, we just want to be a people that are willing and available and ready. Let us just recalibrate and refocus and realign our thought processes. Let us see coming to church correctly. Let us see our commitment and our connection here correctly. Let us just refocus on the vision, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity. I thank you for their passion. I thank you for their hearts. Lord, and I pray that you would just guide them today, direct them today, prompt them today, challenge them today, draw them today. Lord, and I pray that they would be under the anointing enough like Ken to sign up for something crazy. In Jesus' name. So be it, so be it. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.